Hello and welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. Was fortunate enough to finally have Lee Addison back on. There's been a lot of dramas. They aim high program. He's been really busy with that. Been moving from Melbourne to Sydney back to England. Uh, it's been really busy for him, but I'm very, very fortunate to finally have him back on to do our last episode of the halftime chat. Can you believe it, guys? Can you believe that Lee... Managed to stay with me for that long. I'm a very big talker. Was surprised that he hang on with me for this long, but he did. So I want to give Lee a big, big thank you for hopping on this podcast. Been really insightful to grab his take on certain games, on certain plays, on certain teams. It's been really, really interesting. He's a very, very big football brain. And uh, as I said, very fortunate to have this guy on the podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about Manly, Newcastle and Penrith. A really exciting last episode for you guys. The first team we're going to be talking about in part one is going to be the Manly Seagulls. He had a really, really good insight onto them, especially especially since he was one of the assistant coaches there back in 2008 when they won the comp. So very, very interesting chat here. Make sure you sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to Big Lezzers League. Welcome back to the final episode of the Halftime Chat with Lee Addison. I can't believe it's the final one. I can't believe you stuck with me for this long. I'm actually surprised. Um, well, I did, I, did, I did try and run off to England to get away from you. I've been, I've been Melbourne. I've been Sydney. Um, and then I ran off to England. I was trying to go move around so that you didn't get me. But you, oh, you I found you. Well. I'm a bit of a stalker. Big Les is a bit known <laughs> for a bit of, to be a bit of a stalker. Um, we've got some very, very exciting teams. We've got Manly, we've got the Newcastle Knights, and we've got the Penrith Panthers, who are very little exciting last episode. As they yeah. say, leave the best for last. Uh, so we'll start off with the Manly Seagulls. What are your thoughts on the Manly Seagulls? What have you liked from them? And what are your thoughts of them going into this season? Well, I thought that they got the fourth by virtue a little bit of their draw. Their draw was quite kind, particularly the second half of the season. I don't think they're necessarily the fourth best team in the competition. I don't think they necessarily were last year. I also think Tommy Turbo snuck under the radar somewhat a little bit last year in terms of um, his impact. I think he got the ball rolling for the season for two or three games. And then by that time, uh, the other clubs were clamouring around trying to find some weak spots to to exploit. And when you're on a week-to-week turnaround, that can be a bit harder. I think there's a little bit of evidence that over the off-season, a lot of teams have studied Toby Turbo. He's having to amend things in his game. And I think that Manly uh, have been brought back to the pack a little bit. That said, I'm a massive... Because I've worked under Desert Manly, I've seen what he does. His teams are really hard to beat. Um, they're not going to go into free fall. They're probably going to be in the eight, but I just think it's going to be frustrating because you'll you'll look at the la- you'll look at the draw and think, oh, they're going to win this game, and sometimes they won't. Then you'll look at the draw a week later, you think, yeah, they've got no chance against this team, and they'll roll them. They're, they're that kind of side. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that Manly have a lot of potential in this season. It just depends if they can win up against those top sides. Obviously, last year they sort of struggled in that department. They were th- nearly flogging the bottom eight sides, but when it came mm. to those top eight sides, they tended to struggle a little bit, which was, which I think is sort of still their issue. Um, we saw it against the Cronulla Sharks the other day. They put 32 points on them in the first half. Somebody, somebody, somebody asked me were Manly unlucky. And no, when you can see... To concede 32 points in one half of football, you're not unlucky. You've approached it poorly. So there's something not quite right. A lot of people slung shade the way of Morgan Harper. I actually didn't see the first half. I was in Sydney. I saw the second half because I'd been out I'd been out coaching. And um, people tell me that Morgan Harper's defence in the first half wasn't too crash hot. Um, again, I mean, I think if that's the case, then that just shows that Desi's trying to sort of plug a few holes here and there and everywhere because of injuries or or whatever it may be. So this, this is why I just think they, they're, not, they're not going to be anywhere near the Premiership this year, but they're going to be one of the very hard teams to beat. Yeah, for sure. Well, Morgan Harper's been dropped this week out of the side. Obviously, um, a young bloke comes in for him, but yeah, I, I wouldn't blame it too much on him. That whole side really was out of function, that right-hand side defence um, yeah, okay. on, on that game. So, uh, But yeah, he has been dropped this week, but... Looking at the side going into this year, they're only signing in the off-season. Their only signing in the off-season was Ethan Bullymore, the back rower from Brisbane. Really solid player. Um, And I thought that over the past few weeks, he even got a starting role in some games. And I thought that his impact was just superb. Hard runner of the football, can play in the middle, can play on an edge. Really good, versatile forward. Good signing there just for this season, sort of testing him out. Um, but you look at the losses table, Curtis Sirenen obviously went to St. Helens. They'd cast off to Wigan, Moses Suley and Jack Gozaweski off to St. George, Tavita Funa off to Rugby Union, and then Zach Sadler, one of the young guys, has been released there as well. But uh, Curtis Sirenen, I was just going to say, was the one that really stood out to me. But what were you going to say then? Mm. I'm just going to say that all the teams we've studied in this uh, show, the ones that have had the big losses columned versus the income column, They've dipped a bit, haven't they, mm. in the ladder? So that that straight away suggests that that's going to happen to Manly. The other thing is when you look across all these names here, I mean, how many stars are there? And this is you got to remember Manly and Des and Crusher Cleal, they're quite a successful combination and operation. So if you look at things over the course of decades. They won the comp when I was there in 08. They won it again in 2011. They were in some grand finals in and around that too. Des and Crusher then went to the Bulldogs, got the Bulldogs to a couple of grand finals. So we're talking about we're talking about a operation and a club and a leadership group of people that have been there, seen it, done it. And you'd put them in that sense in the same category of respect of people like Melbourne, the Roosters, uh, Souths, Penrith, because they, they, they clearly know what they're doing. I, and I think when you look at all these names that are knocking around, it reminds me a bit of Melbourne, that Melbourne signed players and you think, why have they signed them? And then with good coaching, they sort of turn them around. Des Hasler is the epitome, the godfather of the one percenters, the the little the little things that can improve anybody and anything. And in that sense, Des works so hard that he will eventually find the answer. And this, this is what I see when I see this, that there's some players there that 
you know, nobody's talking about any of those players in the losses column as being uh, premiership level stars, as in they're going to win you a premiership. But the Des and Crusher and the like have got a great, great track record of getting players like that into a team or out of a team and making them fit well. I mean, I think the only one over the last sort of decade and a bit that sticks out as not being a good fit was Tony Williams. It was a bit of a a bit of a strange signing, I think. But otherwise, their record has been pretty good. So looking at that, they're in a little bit of transition. Um, I don't think when Des took over from Trent Barrett, he thought he would be in the top four within, was it two seasons? Mm. Um, I think, you know, you look at it as a bit of a progression. I think what's happened is they've gone up to four in the second year, then they might drop down a bit. But if you were to swap them years round, it would be a nice curve that went up like that. So um, I think that's what we're seeing a little bit, that last year was a bit out of the box. And don't forget we had COVID and relocation and whatnot too. And some teams just dealt with that better. Big Les, like um, some teams thrived on it, some teams struggled with it. And being under Des, none of his players would have been able to play up too much if they were away from home. So um, you can imagine... You can imagine what Des would be like. Yeah, for sure. Um, COVID was <laughs> COVID was an asshole when he came to rugby league. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, I, I'm 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 not too concerned with Manly. I think they've got a very very similar side to what they had last season. Uh, as I said, Curtis Sirenden, Cade Cust sort of sticks out because he was a really good fourteen for them at one stage. He was mm. a nine. Um. So I, don't, I, don't I, 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 I think I think what the problem is going to be is when they get injuries and they've got some injuries already. Um, but the other flashpoint there is that their junior arm has been a lot better over the last 10 years. They changed the way they recruited juniors in the last decade. And I think Parramatta were complaining either in the press or somewhere that a load of their juniors have been going to Manly. And uh, back when I was there, that didn't really happen. The... So they have got kids coming through. So that will be a big test of that too. I think everyone who's in that losses column there, they weren't necessarily the starters last year, were they? Maybe Curtis Sirenen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because these guys, as, as you said, when there are injuries, these guys would be unreal depth. Moses Sully's yeah. covered in the centres for a long time. You would have done well this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Gozaweski is great back rower and he's a good little, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. versatile mm-hmm. forward off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. Cade Cast, nine, six, seven, covers a lot of positions for you. I mean, it's, it's a weird one. However, I don't think it's going to affect them too much. And as I said, I think they have a very similar side to last season. I think what's going to hurt them more is when they lose Dylan Walker at the end of this season. But um, yeah, looking at this right now for the rest of this season, it's not going to affect them too much. I think what's going to affect them more is Tom Trevojevic and his injury run and how he goes with injury because obviously he's already injured again. Um, so it really depends how he goes with that injury run. Um, what what sort of impact do you think Tom Trevojevic has on that side? Um, and do you think he's crucial for them? Um, or do you think that with... Well, not then this is going to sound really mean, but... With or without him, they can still manage to get those wins. Well, I mean, they scored enough points in the second half last week to suggest that they don't always need Tommy Turbo there to score points. 
So they put, as much as they were down 32-0 at half-time, they rattled up a load of points in the second half and really, really made Cronulla scared for, 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 the, for the result. The, and they won the week before, didn't they, without Turbo? So hmm. I think that question's been answered a little bit there. What a player like Tommy Turbo does or uh, Tedesco at Roosters or any number of players at Penrith or a Latrell Mitchell at South. What they do is they break open games in tight situations when they when their moment comes. So um, if you think you picture yourself being a defender in the centres or wherever it may be, if you've got somebody in the in that second tier of football running against you, you're sort of quite confident of tackling them. When a turbo, when a Latrell, when a Teddy, or whoever it may be is running at you. You're thinking, I've got to work out how to tackle them. And that's the difference. The players like Tommy Turbo break things open. And that's why Origin is such a great standard because the all the players are game-breaking players, basically. But all the defenders on the other side of the field are also quite adept at dealing with, 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 with game-breaking players. So... Um, when you ask about the the impact of Turbo, what you know, whether it's Turbo, whether it's Teddy, whether it's Latrell, when you miss a player like that, what you miss is somebody who can just break open the game. I was just doing some analysis of the Sunshine Falcons for my other show, the Queensland League scene, and um, I made a I made a point that um, to Taylor Brown, the host, that the Sunshine Falcons sometimes they made the wrong decisions in attack, but because they've got good players, sometimes they can just break through that. And I used an analogy from, or sorry, an example from back in, in my days coaching St. Greg's when I had James Tedesco. James Tedesco threw a short ball in a game to a player called Michael Tonner, and it was completely the wrong option. Teddy should have gone out the back and put the ball into space. But that didn't bother Tonner, who just ran over the Blacktown players. So you'd never suggest somebody should run through a brick wall. You'd rather put them into green grass and fresh air. But that's what happens, and that's what good players do. So what somebody like Tommy Turbo will do is he will find things that other players just can't. Without Tommy Turbo in, Des has got to rely a bit more on the structure and attack. With Tommy Turbo in, Tommy will find things that Des isn't even capable of finding. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that he has an immense impact on this side. He's really a big factor. Also, his brother, Jake Trevojevic, his defense over the past few weeks has won them games as well. His defense has been solid. Um, he's looked really, really good over the past few weeks as well. He's rocking up 40 to 50 tackles per game, which is unreal for a forward, a back rower. Um, what do you, What about Jake Trevojevic? Do you think that he's one of the factors that are keeping Manly in games? What what frustrates me about Jake and I coach Jake and he is an absolutely wonderful human being, but what frustrates me about the role Des has got in playing is I was watching him the other week thinking he was playing at five eight or half or something. He he obviously there's needs in the team if somebody's missing and Jake has to step in then they understand that. But Des had a bit of success in the early in the early part of this last decade with forwards passing the ball. Now, the amount of times I've seen Jake Trevojevic pass the ball in the last season and a half, it frustrates the hell out of me. And I always say this, do the defence want Jake Trevojevic to pass the ball or do they want, or do they not want him to run at them? 
And I think when Tommy Turbo passes a ball, the defence is a bit relieved. When Jake Turbo passes the ball, they're a bit relieved because Jake is an awesome runner of the football. You know, can you imagine uh, Jason Tamalolo doing more passing than running? <laughs> Wouldn't it nullify a lot of his game? Mm. Jared Ra- Jared Hargraves at, at, at Roosters, you've got to do what players are good at sometimes. And the only frustration, this isn't Jake's fault, he's playing under instruction. But I'd love to see him run the football more in a game. Next time people watch Manly, look how much Jake passes the ball. And I don't think it's necessarily the, always the right thing for him to do. But he's obviously under constru- under instructions. Um, that's just one of my frustrations. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think that he does pass the ball a lot in games. Um, but that, I think that's just the game at the moment. Ball playing locks, they've really come into fruition. But... Does, 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 doesn't need to be. Doesn't need to be the game at the moment. Like, the... the I'm, I'm going to ask a question again. What... Do, do the defence fear Jake Trevojevic running at them or do they fear him passing? Mm. And I would my, my argument is that more people can come in and just pass that ball better than Jake or just as well as Jake. What many people can't do is run the ball as well as Jake. Mm. And that, that's my frustration. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he's just passing it virtually all the time. <laughs> you know, I was looking at him last week. I thought, when are you going to run it, mate? I remember watching him last season thinking when you're going to run it, mate. And he's obviously playing under, under instruction. That's just where where I think that 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 tactic gets overplayed sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's fair. Um, he does pass a lot during games. And you look, as I said, a lot of locks do do that now. I mean... You look at Kurt Mann, Kurt, the, the role yeah, that he's got uh, at the Newcastle Knights. You look I, at, I, I, I have ball playing locks in my team, but... You've got to pass when you're putting the ball into somebody's hands that's in a better position than you. We'll move on to the players off contract at in June 1 and at the end of the year. Uh, we've got a few young forwards there. Uh, Andrew Davey, who's sort of a... See, his career started a bit later, uh, but he's obviously injured uh, at the moment. So Morgan Boyle, young forward, Andrew Davey. Manasseh Fainu, obviously he's been in a bit of trouble at the moment, but he's one of their number nines and probably would have been their first choice above... Lachlan Croker, if he was in the side. His younger brother, Sione Fainu, um, who's a really talented uh, young, young half. Um, and everyone's really over there in Manly are talking about this kid. Uh, he's supposed to be something special. Uh, Kieran Foran also comes off contract at the end of the year. I think that's a big one. Tafua and then Martin Tapao as well. Kieran Foran, the other night, uh, sensational against... He, he, looks like, he looks like he did when he was 23-24 again. Looks fitter than he has for a while. Um, I think the Kieran and Des really click as people. Mm. So I think Des is a really good coach for him. Um, I think there was no no shock that he was a bit lost without Des and lost as a player, not necessarily as a person. Um, that's a different conversation. But I think he he just does his best work under Des and it's happening again. And you know Donny Singh is a fitness guru there as well. And he's you know Kieran, Kieran looks fitter than he has for years. Yeah, he does. He looks sensational. I think him and Daly Cherry Evans really combine well. Um, now, there's obviously been a bit of talk about Josh Shuster, who is another guy coming through, uh, and his manager got a bit upset because uh, he, he may have told, Manly may have told his manager that Shuster was going to be the next choice 5'8". Because Kieran, obviously, I think he's 31, 32. Yeah, I think Shuster was told that by the by his next contract, he was going to be that first choice 5'8". Yeah. Obviously, 
Manly would be looking to re-sign Kieran Fora, and if they're not, then I don't know what they're doing. If you're Des right now, are you re-signing Kieran Foran or are you letting the young bloke come in and play that sixth role? Mm. So too many factors to go into there. It all depends on Kieran Foran's body, and the there's enough evidence to suggest that Kieran's got a body that might not hold up for that much longer because he's he's had big injury layoffs and whatnot. But the flip side of that, because he's been off for so long, he might feel a bit more rested. So a lot depends on that. Um, I think if they go either way, they're going to do okay. Um, Kieran is in the twilight of his career, and it wouldn't shock me if they go down the Schuster route at the end of the year. Look, I'm, 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 I'm thinking more along the lines, since I'm a South supporter, of what they had offered Adam Reynolds and what they were sort of doing with Cody Walker at the moment offering them one-year deals and just seeing where they're at at the end of the year each year, especially when really experienced players get to that late stage of their career. Um, I think it'd be really, really good to sort of see um, where they're at year after year and then determine whether it's time to move them on or not. The thing is that market forces sometimes dictate that. So you might have in your head as coach and manly that you want to keep clearing for them for one year and just see how it goes year to year. But there'll be no shortage of offers of Kieran Foran for two or three years because sure. other, other other teams are more desperate. Yeah, I guess that's the thing as well. You'd sort of want to see what he wants to do if he wants to get that two or three year contract because he is the ex- he is the experience in this side. Dele Cherry Evans, Jake Trevojevic to some extent, but yeah, I, honestly, I would see what Kieran Foran wants to do because I think he's at that stage of his career now. I think that's a fair call. Um, but Josh Schuster. Yeah, he's definitely a really talented 5'8 back rower, and I reckon he'd do really well in that six jersey. So a lot of factors, as you said, to take in there. Um, before we move on, Daly Cherry Evans, what are your thoughts on him at the moment? How do you think he's playing? Because he gets a lot of criticism, I find. What are your thoughts on Daly Cherry Evans at the moment? Daly Cherry Evans gets gets criticism because he's Daly Cherry Evans. Ever since he did that backflip with the Titans and also from the Titans and because he's also articulate and can uh, and doesn't talk through um broken teeth when he's when he's on when he's on the TV he's got a lot of detractors Dally Cherry Evans is a damn good player it's a, it's a Cherry Evans club they made a decision a decade ago that they were going in that direction he's won premierships he's won origin series it's just the way it is so um, people can criticise all they want, but Cherry Evans has proven himself time and time and time and time again. Of course, he's fair game, I suppose, because he's a half, but I think some of it is just because he his face uh, a little bit doesn't fit in some places. I, I know the guy and he's a great guy. And yeah, people who people people who just judge him off media things are yeah. And I think that 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 impacts a lot of the narrative around Cherry Evans. That there's a lot of people ready to stick a knife into him. Well, there you go, guys. That is the first episode of the halftime chat with Lee Addison. I hope you really enjoyed that one. The next one is going to be about the Newcastle Knights. We're going from ups to downs and then back to ups with the Penrith Panthers. But the next episode is going to be the. Newcastle night. So hopefully you guys stay tuned in for that one. But thank you for choosing Big Lizards League and all rugby league experience. I recommend this podcast to a friend and I'll see you guys in the next one. one.